It is time again for our weekly segment, which is focused on the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Our guest today is Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Bame. Mike, during the Global Climate Summit earlier this month, world leaders recommended reducing worldwide meat consumption in order to help mitigate animals, agriculture's environmental impacts. But we're going to do a little bit of a fact-finding mission here with our weekly spot. The research paints a bit of a complicated story. In fact, the U.S. has the most efficient livestock production system in the world. What do you want to share with us about this topic? Yeah, absolutely, Bryce. And thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk about this important topic here. Um, you, are, you are spot on. Uh, some background. The U.S. has about 9% of the global cattle numbers, yet we produce approximately 22%. Let me get, get that again. 9% of the global cow, cattle numbers, or 9% of the cattle in the world are here in the U.S., but we produce 22% of the world's beef supply. That's a big deal as compared to 1970, give or take. The U.S. cattle sector has 15% fewer cattle today than we did back in the 1970s, but we produce 20% more meat. So these greater efficiencies have helped the U.S. cattle sector reduce um, greenhouse gas production over the decades. There's no question about that. In, since about 1960, the industry, so the last 50 years, give or take, the industry has more than doubled its volume of meat produced, yet total direct greenhouse gas emissions from U.S. livestock has fallen by 11%. So U.S. livestock production uh, is 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 making significant inroads on uh, addressing, I think, really important environmental issues that folks here in Nebraska and around the world are paying attention on. One last kind of fact I'd throw on the table is that uh, U.S. livestock production also today uses significantly less water than we did uh, half a century ago. It's absolutely critical, and I should just say all of this is happening at a time uh, where global demand for meat is projected to increase significantly in the coming decades. You simply can't add 2.5 billion more people. So we'll go from 7.5 billion to 10 billion people without increasing the demand for meat that is, uh, is produced in a way that um, pays attention to key, to key issues. And that's exactly what we do here in Nebraska. Hang with me, Mike. I'm going to share something that uh, it's safe to say all of our listeners uh, already know, but it, it's something that gets lost on the world stage for some reason. We know in Nebraska that a lot of the land here is best suited for livestock production. People will say, as they look at uh, where cattle graze, for instance, why why can't you grow fresh fruits and vegetables? Well, some of that just won't grow in the sand hills of Nebraska, will it? No, no. In fact, um, it, it 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 won't. Although we've got I think at least a person or two that are trying to grow citrus in greenhouses, uh, small scale. Um, no, the reality is, um, you know, 70% of all agricultural land globally is really, 70%, Bryce, around the world is just best suited for rangeland or ruminant livestock. Um, and even the United Nations report said that here in Nebraska, you know, we think directly about the sandhills among some other regions of the state. Since long before modern agriculture, grazing animals have been present and a part of this working agricultural landscape, and it remains 
today a hub of, of national and international beef production. Um, here in, in, in the U.S., and I pulled up a map because you know, I have to remind myself the U.S. is a big place, but whether you use the, the Missouri River or maybe a little more local, think of Highway 81, where 81 drops into Highway 35 and takes you all the way down to Dallas-Fort Worth and then over to Waco um, and uh, points south to the tippy part of Texas. Really from, from that line all the way over to the Nevada, California, um, half of Oregon, half of Washington, that really is, um, and even down into Mexico, uh, an amazing uh, rangeland, about 35%, maybe 30 to 35%, depending on how you count it, of land in the U.S. is considered permanent range and pasture ground. And that really is where, um, you know, beef, beef thrives, our cow, our cow calf production area, and most of us think about the, the sand hills. The cool thing about ruminants, like, like cattle, like buffalo, uh, are that they upcycle, upcycle human inedible plants. So we can't eat them, nobody else can eat them, but these ruminants can, can eat them, and they convert something that can't be digested by our gut um, to a very protein-rich meat. And these plants account for about 85% of the feed for U.S. cattle. So when you take the whole cattle vertical, if you will, and you think about what the cattle eat and you think about where they hang out um, for the bulk of their, their lives, the, the rangeland and the ability to upcycle these rangeland plants um, into something that's protein, nutrient-rich is just, it's just pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely is, Mike. Two-part question for you. As the University of Nebraska has been a long leader when it comes to beef research, how do we communicate this message, this message better on uh, the, the world stage? And part two of this question is, how is the university engaged in efforts to further reduce the environmental impact from livestock? Yeah, great. <clears throat> I think on the first question, um, the more we can speak with uh, a, with data-driven, data-driven statements, talking points, and and the more we can speak with a unified, a unified message. So this isn't just about, you know, beef against the world. Um, this is really about meat, and uh, we are the number one producer of red meat in the in the U.S. Um, so getting getting all of our meat producers together. Um, coming together for a common cause, engaging with partners, um, our advocacy groups, um, talking with our uh, congressional delegation, uh, talking to our, our consumers, uh, those who eat the meat, uh, engaging people at our grocery stores and telling the story, um, but also, but also um, really backing, as I started, everything up with, with science and data. And, that really led, leads to your second question, I think. You know, some of the areas in which IE and our research is contributing as we think about this, we've got projects um, left and right here. I'll just kind of hit some highlights. You know, we look at uh, general efficiency increases. Um, we have wide-ranging research uh, over decades that has contributed to advances on topics including feed efficiency, breeding specific, 
um, uh, animal health, food animal health, bovine health. We spend a lot of time thinking about um, grazing uh, techniques and, and rangeland, grassland health. In fact, I can't tell you how many sandhills ranchers I run into where they all tell me they really are um, grass farmers and they use the cattle as a management tool. Um, really thinking about how we manage this amazing, um, one of the last amazing large grasslands in the world. Right here, Nebraska is a part of that, going all the way up to Canada and down to Texas. And, you know, a third of our land mass here in Nebraska, the Nebraska sand, sand hills, is just incredible. Thinking about native grasses and thinking about long-term rangeland sustainability um, and thinking about, you know, um, biodiversity that's promoted, whether that's wildlife or fish uh, or or animals. Um, centers like our grassland uh, Center for Grassland Studies does major work regarding enhancing legume establishment and persistence. Things like nitrogen retention. Um, we work really hard on on thinking about uh, retaining nitrogen through forage legumes and through altered nitrogen cycling in dung and urine excretions of of the animals, the cattle, the buffalo, the bison, the, you name it, the sheep, the antelope, the deer. Um, we spend a lot of time, the turkeys, thinking about uh, nutrient cycling. Uh, feed efficiency, I've, I've already talked a little bit about that, but a great example, uh, just announced this last week, we have a team led by Dr. Paul Kononoff. Kononoff he's our dairy uh, specialist. They received, an integrated team received, a $5 million grant just this week from the USDA for research that will really help us better understand the interrelated nature of the cow's genetics, the rumen and its microbiome, the diet or the ration that is fed to the, the cattle, and how these factors influence collectively eruptions um, of, of methane and other greenhouse gases. I mean, I'll just kind of simply put, Nebraska's livestock and our beef industry is the cornerstone of our state's economy and our culture. And throughout history, uh, producers, ranchers, processors, and the University of Nebraska, we've, we've all worked together collectively to advance this industry through our research, teaching, and extension efforts. And uh, yeah, that is not going to change, and in fact, I think uh, the recommendation uh, that came out from the Global Climate Summit, trying to try and I'm sure best intended at a very high level, um, I think that that recommendation underscores the opportunity and frankly, Bryce, the need to educate the public on food animal production systems, how meat is produced, and the very critical role it will play and does play in feeding a growing world. And uh, at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, IENR, we're proud to be a part of this ecosystem and stand side by side and work collab collaboratively with our food animal producers and processors to, uh, you know, continue to be more efficient, um, to think about sustainability um, wholly and wholesome in a wholesome way uh, that includes profitability and uh, at the end of the day, I think we're doing a good job, but I think you hit it. We need to get our word out, and we maybe need to double down uh, in getting 
science-based information to policymakers, especially on the world stage. This is clearly a timely topic, Mike. I appreciate you joining us, as always, to break things down from the perspective of the university. Yep, you bet. Merry Christmas. Uh, We're getting ready to roll into an amazing time. I wish everybody out there just a blessed, joyous holiday with family and friends. Be safe, and we'll see you in the new year. That sounds good, Mike. As a reminder for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about some of this research happening at the University of Nebraska, head on over to ianr.unl.edu. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting.